welcome to the first episode of the Oh I Say podcast. That's Football Pink's monthly look back at season 1990-91. Over the next nine months, we're going to be reliving some of the memorable moments from that campaign and with some of the personalities who have a special reason to remember the year in question. Myself, Steve Mitchell, and Football Pink editor Mark Godfrey will also be taking a look at popular culture from the time. And we're going to be picking out some of the classic singles, big box office movies, and some memorable TV moments. We'd also like to hear from you. Uh, so if you have any interesting stories or photographs from the time, please send them via Twitter to at thefootballpink, and we'll publish the best ones on the blog, which will coincide with the series. So, we begin by going back to August 1990 and the start of a new campaign in which, once again, the team to beat was Liverpool after they wrestled the league title back from Arsenal at the end of the 89-90 season. England had just recovered from the heartbreak of losing on penalties to West Germany at Italia 90, but we had a new superstar in Paul Gascoigne, whose season would unfortunately end just like his World Cup had in Floods of Tears. For this first podcast, we'd also like to welcome our special guest, a man who was familiar, uh, familiar face in living rooms up and down the country back in 1990, and he was the anchor man for ITV's live football coverage. It's Elton Wellsby. Hi, Elton. Steve, how are you? I'm very good, thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for giving up your time. Welcome to the show. Just before no we, just before we start, I just wondered if you had any special memories of that 1990-91 campaign. Personal being a Merseysider, that there were two incidents or two episodes, should I say, that um, I'll never forget. That was when Colin Harvey was was sacked as Everton manager, uh-huh. and uh, Howard Kendall came back for for the eighth time, <laughs> uh, and Colin was reinstated as his number two. That that was uh, that that was a weird process, and and also when Kenny Dalglish um, left Liverpool when you know basically they, they were nip and tuck with Arsenal for the uh, for the championship yeah um, I mean they're, they're the two things that stand out really as being weird mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, rather than just uh, the football but uh, no uh, Arsenal were dis- ended up deserving champions in, in my view yeah. Alan Smith Smudger who we hear read regularly now on, on Sky yeah. um, 22 goals the golden boot that season so yeah, so we're talking about, and then obviously we're talking about in, in 1990 Liverpool wrestling the championship uh, back away from back away from from Arsenal um, in the 1990-91 season as well. Um, I mean, yeah, do you have any any sort of memories of that Liverpool team? Yes, all good. Um, Beardsley, uh, Barnes, it, it was a super team. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and of course after and, and of course after Italia '90, the, the the football landscape was changing. Obviously, it was becoming fashionable to to get into football again uh, after the after the the obviously the, the events of the eighties. Um, oh, very much so. Yeah. It must have been an exciting time um, for broadcasting, especially with English clubs. Well, except Liverpool being allowed back into Europe. For instance, Manchester United and Aston Villa were were were, were back in the uh, UEFA Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, Manchester United came back in style, of course, by beating Barcelona in uh, in Rotterdam. That's right. Uh, 2-1. Uh, Mark Hughes got both goals. Yeah. And, uh, we, we were there. We, we were covering it live. And it was it was just great to be back in Europe. It was great that, you know, we had... A, the the Cup was very prestigious then. Mm. Um, 
and it was just great for a, you know an English club to to go and win it, and of course beat Barcelona, yeah. who weren't quite the Barcelona that we saw under Pep Guardiola, but even still they they were a mighty European force, mm. and uh, Manchester United were undoubtedly the underdogs going into that, mm. and, uh, and and they won it. Uh, I was presenting that alongside. If I remember rightly, Dennis Law, uh, Jimmy Greaves, and it was just a really, really good night. Brian Moore was commentating, of course, mm. and uh, it, it was a smashing night, yeah. Yeah, I remember the rain on that night. It was absolutely <laughs> tipping down oh. the rain, wasn't it? <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, I remember that. So, I mean, when you, when you were sort of presenting the, the, the games and stuff, and ITV had the live coverage back then, uh, did you sort of, how, how, what sort of viewing figures... Um, would you be getting for 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 a Division One game on a Sunday afternoon or Friday evening? Or uh, I think, if I remember rightly, it was the, the, the end of the '89 season when Arsenal won two 0 at Liverpool, mm. um, which was just unprecedented, really. Uh, I think that was about thirteen million. Mm. Yeah. If I remember rightly, you'd have to ask one of the bosses yeah, yeah. at uh, <laughs> ITV that. But I, I think we regularly got between seven, ten million, mm. depending on on who you know who was playing really. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you had obviously competition coming in from B Sky B, who were just starting up at the time. I mean, were you were you were aware of the the competition? I mean, did you ever think? Just how big a business football would become, sort of over the next twenty years or so? No, 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 no. I was I was behind the times. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be a very very rich man now if uh, if I was doing it now. Yeah, you were uh, never approached by them to um, to, to, to. No, they to... no, they wanted their own people. I mean, obviously uh, Richard Keyes, good friend of mine. Mm. Um, yeah, no, they they wanted their own people. It, they they didn't want it to look as if all they were doing was taking over the contract but using ITV people. Mm. Um, you know, they obviously wanted to put their own stamp on it, mm. um, which which they did, mm. Mm. and uh, and good luck to them. Yeah. It was a great disappointment. Don't get me wrong, mm. but uh, no one saw the the billions mm. the football would own, um, earn over the the forthcoming twenty years or something. Yeah. It was just you know, it, it, it you. You'd be put in a straitjacket. <laughs> yeah, and, and before you, you know, you predicted that. Of course, and, and before you, you, you were the anchorman for the live coverage. You were obviously a familiar face in the northwest um, to, to 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 viewers for for the um, for obviously for the regional highlight games. Is uh, that is that right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, Wednesday night highlight games. We we go on at after news at ten, half ten till half twelve. Um, yeah. You know, we'd have a, a choice of games uh, which we covered, which Anglia had covered, for example, or Central at uh, yeah. Yorkshire Television, or all the regional ICV stations. You know, would cover their own match, and we'd all swap. Mm. So we used to have a 
you know, an absolutely fantastic uh, array of footballing talent mm. on, on those Wednesday nights. They got incredible viewing figures. Mm. They really did. Yeah, and of course as well, you had the more expensive highlights then as well, rather than now that you get the match of the day now, which will get you maybe five minutes per game, where then it was a proper 30 minutes of, uh, you know... Yeah, a, a, well, we, we, we picked the game of the night yeah. um, to lead off with. Yeah. And then knowing full well that uh, people like to go to bed at half 11, 11 <laughs> o'clock or whatever it is, uh, we'd save one of the uh, the second goodie until towards the end mm. uh, to keep people up, you know, where you go, well, right, you go and make your cup of tea now, but still to come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that will be at midnight, you know. <laughs> yeah. so, so, I mean... You've already hit upon the uh, your memories of the Everton side around. You mentioned Howard Kendall returning and things, and I'd like to bring Mark in um, on this one as well. Um, just uh, Mark, when we were chatting about the podcast, one of the things Mark brought up to me was the um, narration of the 1990-91 Everton end of season video. Now, Mark, if you just want to just explain to uh, to the people just uh, about this video and about Everton's season in general before I bring Elton back in on this. Yeah, it, it was one of the one of the most dour times really to be an Evertonian. And as Elton has already mentioned, um, it was a bit weird at the start of the season because we we were having a lot of big name players come through the door, uh, but it wasn't working for Colin Harvey, who was a, a very good coach, very well respected, and and from what I believe, speaking to a lot of the players who worked with him, he was a very um a very popular man just perhaps a little bit too nice to be the manager of a, of a big club trying to win trophies. So they sacked him, brought Kendall back in, um, and, and then, you know, it was quite a, quite a mediocre season after that. But, um, you know, all credit to Elton for trying to, to make that video as um, enthralling as possible, given the action and the, the paucity of the highlights on offer. Um, but a, a friend, a, a, my best friend, actually, is also an Evertonian. He, uh, he often rates it as as the worst end of season video in terms of the action that he's that he's ever seen but but uh, Elton did a sterling job to try and make it uh, as memorable as possible uh, to try and to try and give us something to hope for for what came the following season which was just about the same a lot of nothing so you remember you remember the 1990-91 season video then um, um, Elton um, according to Mark there and his friend um, the worst highlights video he can possibly remember um, <laughs> would, 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 would you would you agree with that was it difficult to uh, put together a sort of a 90 minute sort of two hour package of, uh, of highlights <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it, it, yeah uh, yeah, yeah it was, well I didn't do that I mean that, that was um, I was presented with a video package basically yeah. um, and I had to come up with the words to describe it uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well I wouldn't say it wasn't fun no. <laughs> yeah so, okay well I think yeah we'll, we, we can end that one there so we'll, what we'll do we'll, let's go back to August of 1990 then and Mark um, I'm going to hand over to you and uh, Mark's um, going to give us a little rundown of just exactly what happened uh, what was happening around the world of football in August 1990 well, Steve, obviously we were all still basking in the uh, the afterglow of Italia 90 and Bobby Robson's men reaching the semi-finals of the World Cup. And, of course, we had a brand-new hero, or, or clown prince, in Paul Gascoigne to believe in. 
obviously it ended up being a false dawn for him in England um, but the whole Italia 90 factor accelerated the way we of think way we began to think about football and more specifically the coverage of the game uh, and how it could be more family friendly and, and then obviously it, turning it into a money making product although of course the, the spectre of hooliganism um, was still very much uh, casting a shadow over the game and then uh, the, the memory of the dreadful events at Hillsborough were, were still still fresh in the mind. Um, Liverpool and Manchester United opened the, that campaign in the Charity Shield um, and it was the last time that a, a drawn game in that in the season uh, curtain raiser resulted in both teams sharing the trophy before they introduced um, penalty shootouts to determine the winner. Um, we saw Leeds United come back to the top flight after an absence of eight years which seems like nothing now given how long they've been away since about 2004-2005 something like that. Um, their opening day visit to Goodison Park was memorable, not only because it was a, a, for their 3-2 win and an exciting game, but I think everybody remembers that for a sit-down protest by, um, at half-time by Everton legend and, and now Twitter celebrity Neville Southall, who had previously demanded a transfer from the club because he was unhappy with the direction that it was taking. Um, in terms of results, as expected, Arsenal and Liverpool were setting the pace uh, with two quick wins, while uh, Manchester City and Everton were pointless as the calendar turned over into September. Uh, and it was also the month that Kenny Dalglish finally hung up his boots after his testimonial at Anfield against Real Sociedad. Um, in terms of the transfer market, it was a lot less um, lively than it is these days, and certainly not a uh, a media affair uh, that it is now that Sky turned it into but uh, some of the big transfers that happened well you had Arsenal signed Anders Limpar from uh, from Italy um, Chelsea brought in Dennis Wise and Andy Townsend um, Leeds made a very astute signing in Gary McAllister who came from Leicester City uh, and ended up being an integral figure in their uh, title winning side of a couple of years later uh, and Nottingham Forest signed an unknown Irish uh, lad from, um, from Cove called Roy Keane for the princely sum of forty-seven thousand pounds. Well, a, a good sign. A good signing. Um, forty-seven thousand pounds for Roy Keane, um, Elton. You, uh, you know, when Nottingham Forest uh, got him from uh, Cove Rangers, you, probably one of the uh, <laughs> probably one of the finds of the finds of the nineties, uh, especially the early nineties, regards in regards to players coming um, an unknown an unknown young lad coming into the uh, first division. Oh, Keane was just. Um... As good a central midfield player, box to box, as I've seen. Graham Sooners were running close. In fact, if I was picking an all time from that era, mm. um, uh, you know, two players to play central midfield um, with the ability to hold, with the ability to attack, to pass, to score, it would be Keenan Sooners. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you there. I think a lot of people would agree with you, absolutely. And you remember the uh, we were just talking about it there with, with Mark and uh, when he was going through the run through. You, you remember the the famous Neville Southall sitting at half time on the opening day for Everton. Uh, Leeds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neville sitting. Well, ne Neville was and is an oddball, <laughs> but there's no doubt that uh, he, he was. Uh, at his peak, he was probably the greatest goalkeeper in the world. Absolutely, certainly in that mid eighties, he was very, virtually untouchable. Oh, he, he was absolutely true. I remember he had a, a game at Spurs, which which Everson won. Um, 
and he made two or three saves which were jaw-dropping absolutely jaw-dropping I don't think he, he will be the same today because he's that big now <laughs> you couldn't get the ball past him it was you know he's, uh, he's about 20 stone or something yes, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a big lad these days it is and, he's uh, a big and, 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 and a neat link that into talking of big lads. Um, going back to going back to um, August of 1990. Um, obviously, Luciano Pavarotti had um, um, scored a big hit with Nessun Dorma thanks to BBC's oh, yeah. uh, World Cup coverage, and it, um, he spent 11 weeks on the official charts, believe it or not. Um, thanks thanks to the the Beeb using it for their opening and closing titles. And now we're going to hand you back to Mark, and Mark's going to take a look at some of the other music that we were buying um, back in August 1990. Well, the, the top 10 in the UK charts on uh, August 25th, 1990, which is the opening day of the season, um, the top 10 looks something like this, and I think between myself and my sister we probably own most of these records, uh, and I will refrain from putting on my best fluff Freeman voice as I do the, uh, do the countdown. Uh, at number 10 was uh, I'm Free by the Super Dragons featuring Junior Reed. Number 9 was Where Are You Baby by Betty Boo. Uh, number 8 was Praying for Time by George Michael. Number 7, and a personal highlight, was You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Number 6 was uh, Listen to Your Heart by Roxette. Number 5 was Naked in the Rain by Blue Pearl. Four was tonight, New Kids on the Block. Number three, Turtle Power, Partners in Time. I think we all have that one. Uh, number two was uh, Tom Diner by uh, DNA featuring Sudan Vega. And number one, and I'm sure it's a favourite of Steve's, was uh, Timmy Mallet with uh, um, and Bomb Ballerina with Itsy Bitsy, Teeny Weeny, Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. What a classic. <laughs> classic tune. Absolute classic tune. And uh, Elton, then sort of back to you here. I mean, I mean, what sort of music were you listening to back in 1990? Um, um, anything, anything, anything in particular? Um, no, I am, and I remain locked in a musical time warp. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I, I still love to listen to Elvis Presley, The Beach Boys, Paul Simon. Um, yeah. Yep. So, so, so that's it. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a great sort of collector of albums. No. Or whatever you call them now. <laughs> um, so, so certainly not. Um, certainly not an MC Hammer fan well then. Uh, no. Or new kids on the block. No. Fair enough. We can, yeah. So well, we 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 can leave the music scene there. Then we can head over to the to the cinema and um, back. Um, Back then, um, in the uh, in August of 1990, um, DuckTales the movie, The Treasure of the Lost Lamp, was the big summer blockbuster for the kids' holidays. And now it's back over to Mark, and he's going to take a look at some of the other cinema, cinema releases from from that month. Well, August's um, big releases were Die Hard 2, Bruce Willis, of course, and um, Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder. Also riding high were Total Recall, um, and another one of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's big hits. This time he was in a Mars-based conspiracy romp. And there was Gremlins 2, a new batch. Uh, remember, don't give them water after midnight. And of course, who f could forget Pretty Woman? Um, that was still hanging around as one of the favourites of the summer in, in the cinema then. Um, and that was probably the biggest hit of the year. Yeah. You, you remember going to see Pretty Woman at the cinema, Elton? time since you know, I'm, I'm a great uh, I didn't quite add to my sort of uh, musical time warp heroes uh, Roy Orbison uh, and of course that uh, 
that single came out many years before the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just it just went with the with the with the movie. Um, it, it was terrific. Oh. I, I loved her. Yeah, I loved Pretty Woman. I had a crush on Julia Roberts as yeah, well. I think we pretty much all did, I think. Um, I think yes. You agree, Mark? You had a crush on um, Julia Roberts? or um, if, if my wife's not listening, yes. If she is, then no, I've never heard of the woman. I know, you were always, I know you've always told me that you were a Sarah Cracknell um, lead singer of St Etienne, man, weren't you, as well? Again, who wasn't? <laughs> so, so, Elton, back... Um, Back to your back to your broadcasting career. You, you mentioned earlier that you did the 1991 Cup Winners Cup final with uh, Dennis Law and, uh, and Jimmy Greaves. I mean, was there a, a favourite pundit that you enjoyed working alongside above all others? Because you've obviously worked with quite a few big names. Well, we we don't do it the way Sky do it. So we didn't used to do it the way Sky do it now, where they have their regulars, i.e. Jamie Redknapp, who is very good, Gary Neville, who is superb. Um, we used to sort of pick guests. I wouldn't say at random, but depending on what the game was, um, then we'd select the guests. But certainly when I was working, well, 20 years at Granada, um, I would say my top pundit uh, sat next to me uh, would have been Lou McCurry. I really enjoyed uh, working with Louis. Um, and I worked with Jim Beglin for, for many years too. Yeah. Um, so the, the the two of those um, will, will be very very hmm. high on the list. Yeah. they'd be in my top my top five. Yeah, Jim. I mean, Jim Beglin still 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 doing um, punditry with um, on on some of the European games and um, um, appeared on BT Sport a few times with some of their European football coverage. I mean, um, yeah, he's his longevity um, has been quite remarkable. I think. I mean, Jim uh, was a very, very good left back. Yeah. I mean, he really was. And it, it, the '86 Cup final, um, that um, that changed when he had a row with Bruce Grobler, um, and it seemed to galvanise Liverpool, hmm. and therefore Everton perished. <laughs> yes, again. But yeah, so this, 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 this podcast at the moment is turning into a nightmare for Evertonians, Mark, isn't it? Really, it's um, it's. Uh, it's uh... <laughs> well, you pick the ear and not me. <laughs> so, well, if you, if you want to talk about eighty-four to eighty-seven, maybe, maybe maybe we can use that for another time. Yeah, maybe we can use that on on, on another podcast. And uh, yeah, so we were, we were looking at sort of we were I was looking at some of the TV um some of the some of the big TV stuff that was around in nineteen ninety as well and. Uh, in, um, and in August um, of that year, Channel 4 launched The Word. Um, you probably may have seen a few episodes of this one, Elton, down the, in your time with Terry Christian and uh, Danny Bear and Katie Puckrick. Um, normally a late night, Friday night after the pub sort of uh, sort of a program. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know Terry. Yeah, yeah but uh, I don't think some of, I don't, some of the music that you were into. Don't think any of those appeared on there, but. Um, Mainly, uh, we had a few. Um, obviously, they, they were they were a bit of a platform for bands like Oasis, Rage Against the Machine. I think I remember Happy Mondays appearing on there a few times, and uh, and there was an Oliver Reed classic one. I think you can YouTube this when he was um, playing alongside Ned Atomic Dustbin, um, doing a doing a doing a cover version of the Trogs Wild thing, which um, is uh, quite horrific. Um, so um, anyway, um, Mark. 
will also um, give us an update now on some of the news items that um, were doing the rounds back in 1990. Over to you, Mark. Yeah, well, um, I suppose the biggest story of the month undoubtedly would have been uh, when Saddam Hussein uh, invaded Kuwait, uh, which, of course, that ended well for Iraq in the end when then the Gulf War finally started in January 91. Um, East and West Germany announced that they were going to reunite on October 3rd. Uh, hostage Brian Keenan was released in Lebanon after being held captive for five years. Uh, that was something that happened a lot back in those days with people like Terry Waite, didn't it? Um, yeah. uh, then you had Armenia. Uh, they joined the growing number of republics leaving the crumbling Soviet Union, sparking a, a decade of murky business dealings, which has eventually resulted in a whole load of former Soviet oligarchs laundering, laundering their ill-gotten gains through um, British football clubs. Yeah. And, and sparking and sparking uh, loads more trips for uh, for, for uh, expanding European qualifying World Cup and European Championship qualifying groups by <laughs> by about 400 matches <laughs> as well. So so Elton, um, we, we we can't let you go. We can't let you go today without asking you about your uh, your opinion on the uh, on the way that football is presented today, the, the modern way of doing things. What well, what's your, what's your views on that? sounds like sour grapes but it's easy I mean any, anyone can present live football on, on television now or so it seems yeah. um, it wasn't easy back then it wasn't um, we had all sorts of technical restrictions uh, technology w was nowhere near what it is today and it was jolly difficult so it, it, the, the art of it was to make something difficult look relatively easy uh, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't easy at all. With today's technology, I could probably do it in my sleep. Um, no, that's that's not uh, being big-headed or anything like that. It is. It is easy. Yeah. No. I. I. I, I... Or, you know, I never used the, the teleprompter, the autocue. I never used that. <laughs> never. Okay. And nowadays, they just read it all the words in front of them on the camera. Hmm. Do you think? I mean, did you, th you obviously think that we we sort of we've lost the personality? I mean, back in back in back in 1990, I mean, we had. I know we did, we didn't have the channels covering football. We didn't have every single football match covered in every single division. But you know, we had a, people like yourself, for household names, Des Line, and the commentators. You said Brian Moore, you know, brilliant commentator, and uh, and obviously over at BBC had John Motson, Barry Davis. These were people that you could rely on um, in any situation, and they were. Whereas now, you know, I feel sometimes the commentators can be, and especially the punditry can be a little bit sort of, um, it's just, I think there's too much, in, far too much analysis uh, and, and far too much talking on air when we can just look at it, look at the pictures and look, you know, they, they can show you what is happening. You don't, we don't need to be spoken to about every uh, single thing. You don't say, well, here's so-and-so hurtling down the right wing, and he sends in a cross, and whoever gets his head on it and mm. nods it into the corner of the net. What you do is you use the pictures to tell the story, and the pictures just aid the story. You know, you don't state the bleeding obvious. Uh, I mean, you know, you just don't. Uh, but that happens nowadays on regular occurrence, and you... You see it most often when the highlights programs from the, the lower leagues, 
and that's no disrespect at all to the lower leagues. I was raised on lower league football. Um, but it, the, the voiceovers, for example, on the highlights programs, it's so bland, it's, it's untrue. Yeah. Do you actually feel... So, yeah, I'd use the picture. I'd find I wanted to sell, tell a story, and I'd use the pictures to tell that story. Uh, and, I mean, you, you, you feel that there is too much football on TV? It's total saturation now? I wouldn't go that far. Um, I, I mean, there's so much now, you don't feel like you're missing anything if, if you happen to not fancy a certain game. Hmm. You know, but you, can, you can miss it. But, you know, back in the day, there was one game a week with highlights programs um, sort of during the week, but there was only one live game and sort of everyone wanted to see it. Hmm. And it had to be picked fairly carefully because you had to get round the clubs and, um, you know, there were some games that you, you, know, you have to admit, even though I was presenting it, I was thinking, well, if I, if I was sitting at home, I wouldn't really be bothered if I missed it, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, and I, then you got the others, you got the blockbusters, which, you know, everybody wanted to watch. Yeah. Um, like that uh, in 89, mm. you know, the, the Arsenal game at, at Anfield, yeah. you know, when, when they won 2 nils. I mean, that, I was still, that's the, the greatest, uh, the greatest match I think I ever presented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the most memorable, yeah. because it was so unlikely. Absolutely. As good as Arsenal were, I mean, to win 2 nil at Anfield <laughs> was just, yeah, couldn't happen. Incredible. Yeah. But it did. Yeah. Elton, it's been an absolute pleasure you've been with us today. If anybody um, wants to talk 90s football or even talk Everton on social media, uh, where, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter. Yeah, and and yeah, what? Uh, that, that's the only one I do is Twitter. Okay, and what's your what's your what's your Twitter handle? I haven't got a clue. Okay, I can tell I can tell our listeners that they can find you at, at Wellsby Elton. Um, if you want to talk any go. any nineties football or any football tour or Everton anything, or broadcasting, anything at all, uh, and anything at all, he, and um, Elton will be there. So that's, thanks very much for your time, Elton. Today it's been an absolute pleasure. It's a pleasure, Steve. Nice and to you. thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Okay, so we uh, we hope you've enjoyed our first look back at season 1990-91 in English football. Um, thanks again to Elton Wellsby for joining us. Um, tune in next time for September's edition when we'll discuss, amongst other things, Graham Taylor's first game in charge of England and Liverpool's dismantling of Manchester United courtesy of some Peter Beardsley magic. Uh, you can catch up with Steve on Twitter, at uh, Barra Fundler, or myself, The Football Pink. So until next time, thank you and goodbye.